And we really want to publish all of our crucial code as an open source code so that everyone can do their own due diligence or their own code audits and doesn't need to, to trust uh, the development studio building. All right, everyone. Good morning. Good afternoon. Actually, I'm going to take this off. I don't want to use this. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. What is up, everyone? I am your host, Charlie Shrem, and you're listening and watching another epic episode of The Charlie Shrem Show, where together, twice a week, we get to dive deep with some of crypto's and Bitcoin's most influential leaders to truly, truly understand how this movement came to be, where we are right now, and where we are going. And I'm really excited. We've had some amazing, amazing past few episodes last few months. We're trailblazing and we're plowing on ahead, truly understanding what the hell 2023 and 2024 are going to look like in crypto land so we can make the right decisions along the way for ourselves and for our family. Very excited to have on the show today, Christoph Simpson. Thank you so much for coming on the Charlie Shrem Show today. Yeah. Hi, Charlie. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be on today's episode. You are the co-founder of SAFE, formerly known as Gnosis SAFE. Most crypto users, for example, those who own Ethereum, BNB, Polygon, any type of cryptocurrency, really, we're all used to like a single key wallet, right? Often referred to as an externally owned account. Examples include like MetaMask, Trust Wallet, Exodus, most of the wallets that we use today. Even, even open source Bitcoin wallets are using this type of where you have a single key that can derive all of your different private keys across all your blockchains. And these accounts are secured with like a 12 or 24 word seed. This specific part of Bitcoin and crypto is being discussed very heavily all across crypto land lately, especially across all blockchains and protocols, simply because with the collapse of all like centralized finance in the last year that pretty much ended that whole bull market from the Celsius to the Voyagers to the FTXs and all the other hacks along the way that we've had in DeFi, we've been pitching like, you know, self-custody, self-custody, get a hardware wallet, get like a SafePal hardware wallet. They were our sponsor for like six months and I'm a big fan of them, but get a hardware wallet, self-sovereignty. But at the end of the day, telling people that they have to maintain this brain wallet or 24 worth seed written down somewhere and they're safe. And if their house gets robbed or something, then you pretty much lose everything, not just your money, but your whole identity. That is under scrutiny. That is under the microscope. We can't get to the next level of where we're meant to go until we solve this problem. So enter Gnosis Safe. If your project comprises of more than one person, or if you have different types of keys, you have the ability to do multi-sig. And from what I understand, Safe is a smart contract wallet that runs on a number of different blockchains that requires multiple people to approve a transaction before this occurs. Do you think this is the future of, of where we have to be? I definitely think safe custodial setups are the future, but slightly misunderstanding in safe's position today as a lot of people, as you were also describing it, are saying like, quote, unquote, like safe is just the multi-stake. So what safe basically is, is it's a smart contract account standard. And with this, like it's a fully programmable account and multi-stake is just one of the most prominent configurations of this account. You could also use it as an individual with one out of one. You could still use the safe, but... Most of our users are using it right now as a multi-sig. And as you also said, like we identified early on that externally owned accounts are a single point of failure from an IT security perspective. 
and are also having like limited use compared yeah. to fully programmable accounts. And this is why we decided like to actually build safe. Nowadays, and um, also what we are big um, advocates of are like hybrid custodial setups where you can basically split responsibilities and say, for instance, um, you could trust a specific party just as a recovery scheme or like another party who is involved in a transaction flow to do some compliance check because one of the issues we are having right now and still ha having for a couple of years now is that safe custody is still scary. And, and, and a lot of, and a lot of users are still afraid of this kind of phrase, like be your own bank. And we try to make this less scary and try to involve trusted parties in a, in a self custodial manner. But that's the biggest problem. You said it right there. It's still, I mean, we can build and build and build and do the coolest things in, 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 in the world. We can have from metaverses to NFTs to doing car titles and liens on blockchains to being able to like, you know, borrow against your house play amazing video games and connect all in between. There's so much that we can do, but if it comes down to this wallet experience, like the whole MetaMask seed, it doesn't feel Web3. Absolutely. So we, we are still also trying, like what, what's our goal right now is also to collaborate with like a lot, like we now pivoted from, so, so maybe also let's step back a little bit and give you like some background information of SAFE as SAFE was starting within uh, Gnosis, while Gnosis was building back in the days like decentralized prediction market infrastructure. And for those, we were required also to figure out a custodial setup for these kind of interactions. And with a couple of years, Gnosis was working on this goal and they were ramping up different products. Uh, but realizing that the administrative overhead of running different products are not running, uh, are not worth the, the efforts. And so we decided to spin out the products that already are having product market fit. And Safe was one of the products that was spinning out of the Gnosis umbrella. And this is also where the rebranding was kicking in. And with this kind of spin-off, like we also pivoted from a product focus to an ecosystem focus. As we are now collaborating with different matter experts, for instance, on retail applications built on top of Safe, of institutional grade applications built on top of Safe of NFT use cases built on top sure. of safes or also like some play to earn use cases. So we really consider safe as a use case and user group agnostic middleware and, and just trying to define different kind of safe custody, custodial logic to, to actually manage your assets. You said this very interesting word earlier. You said standard. How do you apply this to a standard? Because the, one of the biggest problems we've had is that everyone's building across all these different blockchains and protocols, but not following the same standards, right? Yeah. So what we are basically having is like a safe master contract where we are identifying a basic logic for, for a very rough deployment of a safe. But like the owner still needs to like also define um, what are the owners of these kind of like wallets. Like you could use you could use MetaMask, you could use like Ledger as a signer. So we really want to have this like very flexible for end users. And everyone can also make extensions to this kind of like master contract and uh, specify it for their individual needs. Actually, just today in, in ETH Denver, that's going on this week, you guys are announcing something really big. Can you talk about it? I don't think it's been announced anywhere yet. Yeah, abs absolutely. So also one of the one of the most discussed topics right now is account abstraction. And actually, like, safe wars and 
still is like one of the account abstraction OGs. And uh, we just launched our account abstraction SDK also in order to supercharge like um, our position within the account abstraction um, discussion and ecosystem and still also foster the adoption of smart contracts and hope to also get more involved in, in, the, in the growing ecosystem and discussion. You also coupled it with this manifesto, right? I, and I was reading it this morning. I want to take a step back here, right? You, I'm very interested because I love when I come across projects and people like yourself who are not just running their business, but looks at their project as a community, but also looks at what they're doing as almost like a moral initiative. Like you're out there trailblazing, but you're doing it for the rest of everyone else and not just for your community. This is something very important. And I like to point it out. I think it's what one of the ethos of what it means to be a Bitcoiner living in a crypto world is this exact ethos. What you're building is not just for growing your own pie, but you're growing the pie of the whole crypto world. So first of all, thank you. Why do you do that? What's 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 inside of you that's making you want to do that? Yeah, I, I think like what we are all about is like having this very collaborative approach and empower users and developers to build open and also competitive financial systems. So right now when we are interacting in the, in the financial world, like we are still very much trusting intermediaries. And what we are also doing, and this is actually part of SAFE's whole existence, for instance, that we are leveraging to the biggest extent possible open source code. So everyone basically, like, as you also said, like one of the very basic ideas is like do your own research. And we really want to publish all of our crucial code as an open source code so that everyone can do their own due diligence or their own code audit and doesn't need to, to trust uh, the development studio building this kind of code. And yeah, also like in, another phrase, which is, which is already in the ecosystem yeah. for years is like, not your keys, not your coins. <laughs> and this is like an, this is like another one, like we really much support in terms of like, we are building, we yeah. are building a framework where everyone is able to actually manage their keys in order to access their crypto assets in, in, in the most trust minimized way possible. Well, let's, let's go through them. So the first, so the pr first part of the manifesto is not your keys, not your coins. Irresponsible custodians have let us down. Ownership is undermined by trusting solely centralized custodians. We have to take it back in our hands as individuals, groups, and projects. So I understand from the individual side, not your keys, not your coins. But what do you mean groups and projects? Also, like from a from a perspective of like DAOs, you could or also like when it comes to um projects trying to build different applications in a self-custodial manner. So we also have like lending protocols or all kinds of projects. And everyone should have in mind that there is like a self-custodial setup and not like some of like super admin powers to actually like censorship some transactions. So the the users should definitely be empowered and not like the centralized operators of systems. You have so that leads you into the next one. Ownership means sovereignty. We hear this word a lot, like self-sovereignty, sovereignty is freedom, liberty. If you haven't lost your freedom or, you you know, a lot of times it's hard to know how important freedom is. I lost my freedom like 10 years ago for a couple of years and it really sucks. So I've taken sovereignty and, and liberty so so to heart personally. But why does why does this matter? Why can't why isn't it why isn't it not easier to just delegate my sovereignty to someone else? 
with delegating your sovereignty, like you are also delegating like some counterparty or operator risks, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not just about like delegating like, oh, delegated proof of stake where there's like a smart contract delegation. But most people just literally just just don't care a lot of the time. We just hope for the best. Yeah, absolutely. So, so they actually also like care about some form of like integrity by intermediary, uh, intermediaries, which like isn't isn't the default case, which we painfully experienced last year. So like we were trusting centralized operators and um, these were basically also mismanaging um, user funds. And I also think like I'm basically a lawyer by training. And so one of the biggest messages I'm trying to also spread is that most of the things that happens last year are typical corporate governance failure, and they are not dedicated to our industry or technology. Say that again. Say that again, and please expound on that, because a lot of people really feel like a crypto broke yep. in last year, but it didn't. Yeah, absolutely. So there are there was like lack of um, disclosures or also like related party transactions, segregation of user funds. Like there are all kinds of experiences we are having from traditional capital markets or corporate governance, which were not applied by the projects that failed last year. And this was actually like, the, the parties paying for it were actually like consumers or like users, which were trusting these parties and also trusting that there was like some form of like supervisory system in place. But right now, most of crypto industry is still unregulated. And this is like a huge issue where we, where we still think like if it's designed in a, in a fairly decentralized way where no one is having superpowers, it should stay unregulated infrastructure. But if there is like a centralized party actually also having some counterparty operational risks, these would definitely be also players where like supervisors should consider to regulate them. As this is like the risk we are, we are seeing in capital markets. But yeah, right now I still think like DeFi or like crypto work as we expected it to work, and the failure were basically like centralized point of failures. Let me let me ask you a question about that. You know, not non crypto related because this is a really interesting point. Going back to like the finance, I think it really started going back to the financial crisis and maybe like the great, probably maybe even in 2001, but I was too young to really start kind of watching it from a, from an economic, you know, point of view, you had all of these failures from the housing market collapse, Bernie Madoff, Ponzi scheme, so many in between that are countless, right? So the FTX Celsius Voyager, it's all the same rehypothecation of money that shouldn't have been bundling up shitty mortgages and shitty loans into something that seemed a lot better housing from the housing market, it's all the same what happened, right? But what came down to, from my perspective, was a fundamental flaw in humans, not in the software. Every single problem that happened from Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme to FTX, the same problem, which actually is the next part of the manifesto is we trusted and we didn't verify. So I guess my question to you is, because I don't I don't know the answer, you, you're traveling to to more conferences, but you're involved in building out the underbelly of the infrastructure that's going to power tomorrow. So you see it. All these like softwares that were built that managed a lot of money and data always had some sort of like human administration backdoor that said, we trust software, we trust software, but we need a human to supervise the software. We need a human to double check to make sure. But humans let us down. Humans are the ones who let us down. So are building are people going to finally build software that you need maybe 
more humans to verify, or maybe we actually trust the software more now? Great and a great question and hard question at the same time. And also maybe maybe I will also need to somehow relevate my statement I made a couple of minutes ago that I would say like we were we were actually seeing two groups of failures last year. The first one is mismanagement of centralized parties or actors. Another one, which is like also like driving me crazy kind of was like a lot of hacks. So like we saw a lot of bridges got hacked. And so also like, yeah. like when we were speaking about also like crypto native risks, I think we, we as an industry also need to be better in terms of like IT security standards. Because also all the time when I'm speaking to regulators regarding money laundering, most of the time they are not referring to money laundering coming from like um, uh, selling drugs. It's basically laundering the funds which the hacker received from a hack. And this is very much like a crypto native problem. So also like, like in, in other industries, you have also IT security standards, which you need to fulfill. And right now we are still acting in the situation, move fast and break things. And when it comes to very valuable assets, this is also like not the right mindset in order to build like secure infrastructure. And this is where I think like our industry needs to change. And then also like we need to educate regulators more about our processes and at which point like our systems are working properly. They need to understand at what point something, you know, how many different projects and protocols out there that involve like tokens and money flow. At some point, the process becomes centralized and then it becomes decentralized again. But that middle, that point, that man in the middle attack, that like middle point is where things can fail. So how does SAFE as a smart contract standard solve the second problem, because you said two, you know, we had, if we group them into two things, you had the centralized failures and the kind of the crypto native failures, how are you solving the crypto native? How are you enabling people to verify and not just trust? Yeah. So also what what we are doing in terms of like trying to, to gain the most trust possibility, when, when we are developing our IT infrastructure, we are having like typical technical audits on our infrastructure. We, we, are, we are having like fairly big bug bounties out there. And also like uh, on another level, like one of our most crucial infrastructure also got like formal verification on top of it, like a mathematical proof that something can or cannot happen. So we are trying to raise the bar from an IT security perspective. And on top of that or beside of that, like we are also publishing like our code as open source so that everyone is also able to do their own audits. And then basically, like we are leveraging on-chain data to the biggest extent possible. So basically, like the whole operational security or operation shifts from off-chain operations to on-chain operations. And you basically would say, like, for instance, like Ethereum would need to go down that in the order that safe is going down. This is really, really interesting. Do you think that that's what people want in the future? What What's on the roadmap? So, so as as I said, so um, what we are right now also having is over 20 different interfaces building on top of SAFE because we are trying to be like a fairly agnostic player. And um, and there are other ones actually like specifying their interfaces and services for specific use cases and user groups. Because I think when we are speaking about mass adoption, also like most of non-technical savvy people don't care about this kind of like decentralization topics we care about, they would rather prefer that most of the complexity is abstracted away. But at this point in time, they often like also need to trust the intermediary. 
I mean, they should care because they have to trust an intermediary, like you just said. Yeah. But this is like why we are right now also like trying to figure out all this kind of like, how does transaction relaying work? How do recovery schemes work? So when I'm uh, thinking about also like, for instance, my parents, they are mostly concerned about like losing their access credentials and they want to have like some some intermediary forms of recovery. And I think also we are right now in an interesting point in time from a regulatory perspective, because also, for instance, in Europe, we are now having MITRE and financial institutions are now having like legal certainty, what they are allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. And so we will also see like some form of like hybrid or like bridges between like centralized finance and uh, decentralized finance. And I could definitely also think like this might be like the right way for mass adoption. But still, with a caveat, what you said, like they are still required to trust the centralized party. But um, yeah, this this might be also like a user group who doesn't care too much about this form of decentralization. Well, so the, but the point is, is that you have eventually there won't be a distinguished between centralized finance and decentralized finance because even centralized finance that we want to use all these apps and services as we call them, they're going to hopefully be using your SDK and other standards that allow us to be comfortable enough. And then the rest of them could be actually like government regulations. And those you have to have when it comes to reg, uh, banking and taxes and things like that, you have to have the right regulations. But you could totally see a future with that for sure, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. What I think is right now the super interesting point in time that we are also like right now building infrastructure that everyone is able to act as their own bank. But, but then like you can still also like delegate some tasks to your bank. This was not possible before. There you were required to trust your bank when you want to like execute on some financial transactions. And like if you are now technically savvy enough, you can still perform all of all the actions by yourself. And this is, I think, this is also beneficial. And we see like a lot of innovation coming from this kind of technical openness. When when did the company launch? Safe was already part of Gnosis for a couple of years, but the, the spin-off took place at the beginning of last year. So this is where we pivoted also from a product focus to an ecosystem play. Are you guys a DAO? Yes. <laughs> what? You were like afraid to answer. No, it's no, it's uh, not afraid to answer. But this is like right now also what I said. There's like a like DAOs. There's not like a single definition of a DAO. What is a DAO? To oh, which extent is it an organization? To which extent is it autonomous? I think one of the biggest issues with crypto is that we are using terms which are not clearly defined, and everyone is having like their own understanding. And this is where a lot of like misunderstandings are, are kicking in. Well, I think the idea of a DAO, this is, this is so funny. It's so funny that you bring this up. This is typical of crypto, right? We have great ideas, but we're just not there yet. And that's probably what ends half of the bull markets that we've had. It's just, we want to do these things, but we're not, we haven't built out the technology and the user experience to do it. And in the past year or two, centralized finance kind of swooped in, offering what decentralized finance can do better, faster, easier but not safer. And so it's kind of funny that you mentioned like DAO definition because I've been talking about this, but I don't think it's a bad thing, right? DAO as an idea is awesome. Decentralized autonomous organization. It's actually, it's brilliant. It's not a new idea. It's almost taken from like the idea of like having an employee owned company, right? You have my local grocery store prides themselves as a fully employee owned grocery store. So the idea of a DAO is basically that, but on chain. So it's cool to call yourself a DAO and totally understandable that the technology is just not there yet 
to be full DAO. I mean, even Shapeshift. Eric, I was talking to Eric Voorhees the other day. Remember, he was like the first one to make Shapeshift a full DAO. Even then, it's like taxes still have to be paid. So someone is, you know, there's an accountant. So there's still like, you're not fully there yet. But so it's cool. To, you can still call yourself. What's your definition of a DAO then? Oh, now, like, I guess, like, we would probably need, like, another podcast to discuss these kind of topics, but maybe also... Oh, we have time. But maybe also, like, coming to the first question, I would love to, like, if, if you would answer me, uh, how, is, how is your project governed? So I would tell you, like, we are having a, we are having a community which we are empowering in order to reduce platform risk so that the community can make sure that the rules of our product are not changing against their will. Call it a DAO or not, but this is like kind of like we are trying to empower the community for decision making and then also act in good faith that we are fulfilling community, community desire and will. And so also, as you said, like there's a spectrum. Like what are you doing? Like there will be at some point in time, like some more centralized features and some more decentralized, some more centralized, mm. decentralized. And is it now a DAO? Is it not a DAO? So this is, this is like a super dynamic topic and analysis. And, um, yeah, in the end, it's empowerment of the community, right? Well, yeah. So it's interesting because you have like, there's no legal requirement for you to like follow the community, but because there's a token involved here and the DAO governs that in a way that you almost have to follow it because then the community speaks with their tokens and you don't want them to speak in a negative way. So it's like this decentralized autonomous organization, but instead of having like shareholders and shares and then you having like board meetings and you have like shareholder votes, you have proposals and you have tokens and not everything needs to be fully decentralized for you to call yourself decentralized. This is what I'm a big maximalist on is the path to decentralization, right? I could write a book on this. I feel like you never reach, it's like enlightenment. You never reach full enlightenment. You never reach full decentralization. The technology isn't there yet. But if you're going to promise decentralization, you have to do what you're doing, putting out manifestos following what your communities, what their will is. One of your top take back manifesto thing here is we speak up, then we build. You know, we transition to self-custody. It's about being transparent with the community, putting out roadmaps, delivering what you're promising on, not lying, not dropping off. And, and that's what kind of like I try to drill in, in these episodes. Absolutely. And as, as this podcast is like called Untold Stories, I'm now sharing like some alpha, which I still owe the community also to, to, to execute on. So what I'm currently working on is like a DAO committee. So basically like SAFE is organized, um, like we incorporated a Swiss foundation. And so a Swiss foundation is from a legal perspective, like a fairly trust minimized setup as it doesn't have like any kind of like shareholders. And there's also a supervisory authority where you can like, like you, you could contact them if you think the foundation is not acting according to its mandate. And what we are doing with the foundation is to, we can implement a group, a DAO committee, which is, uh, and this kind of DAO committee can only be elected by the committee, uh, by the community, by the DAO members. And the DAO members are only able to serve on that committee. The benefits of such a setup is that this committee is actually able to use the legal personality of a foundation and actually also <laughs> like act as a counterparty for real world contracts and also be tax compliant. This is like, this is like one of my biggest concerns because it can, it can hold the assets of these committee regarding to the tax rates of our Swiss foundation. 
And this is also like a very crucial part to actually also attract the biggest talent possible in order to meet their risk appetite and say, guys, if you want to interact with a DAO, this is our setup. And um, it's, it's a fairly risk minimized setup and compliant one. Does Swiss law allow you to have a committee, essentially a board that's selected by token holders? Do they like acknowledge that? Yes. Wow. We are the first foundation which got it incorporated in our foundation deed. So this is this is that this, is so this cool. is where we are actually right now acting as a thought leader and try to implement this and try to combine like uh, corporate governance, real world organization with on-chain communities. I mean, this is just has profound implications, especially if we can get other. I'm sure European law now would accept that too. A Swiss law accepts that, but I mean. You're talking about businesses and nonprofits that now could be governed by smart contracts and token holders. And this is unbelievable. Yeah, I, I hope this will also be appreciated by the community. So I'm still I'm still working on some paperwork, and then like I want to I want to propose this to our DAO as a proposal, and also receive community feedback. But basically, you're now the first one, or like the audience is the first one to hear this idea. <laughs> and yeah, I hope that this will also become a standard. <laughs> I, I hope that becomes a standard too. I mean, that's like, that is unbelievable. I mean, that's one of the things that I hope to see at the end of the year now, 12 months from now, I hope that becomes adopted across our whole industry. But not just that, how cool would it, how cool would it be to see huge nonprofits that govern like hundreds of millions of dollars of, of charitable assets start to do something like this? Yeah. Or 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 like a major billion dollar company or something like that. And that's when we're talking about smart contracts and crypto being used and we don't even know we're using it. Yeah. Absolutely. I think like I, I cannot agree more. Well, Christoph, I appreciate you taking the time and, and coming on the show today. Uh we, we got a lot covered here and we talked about a lot of amazing things. I, I I'm mind blown. I'm like literally speechless now at the end of this show. Yeah, thanks for having me and Really appreciate your time and, and your work on the podcast. So looking forward also to, to be in touch. Yeah, have fun at, uh, at the conference the rest of the week. Cheers. Cheers.